So anyway, long story short, the school finally pitched up in Chalk Farm in this uh, Methodist church and um, all of the students arrived and the myth is that um, Yat came into the room and everybody was expecting, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, speech of welcome and um, how marvellous they all were and how brave and how courageous and what an achievement this was. And all he said was, to work. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the History of Actor Training at the British Drama School. This week, I'm thrilled to have as a guest Annie Tyson. Annie is a remarkable acting teacher and director, currently at RADA, formerly at the Drama Centre, and before that, Rose Bruford. Uh, Annie is going to talk to us about the history of actor training at the Drama Centre, one of the most influential and radical drama schools in the history of British theatre, a school which, as Annie articulates brilliantly, always demanded that its students bring their brains to their hearts. Annie will also take us through the the tragedy of the Drama Centre, which is that it's due to close its doors in 2022 for good when the current second year graduates. So sit back and enjoy Annie's uh, account of the four pillars of training of the Drama Centre and many other things besides. Annie is is here to talk to us about the the history of actor training, particularly in the Drama Centre, although our conversation may go in other directions. Because, um, Annie, you, you trained at the Drama Centre and you taught at the Drama Centre mm-hmm. and I believe you ran the Drama Centre? I did. I, I trained there as a student and then I taught there. Um, I worked as an assistant to Doreen Cannon briefly and then I went off and um worked as an actor um worked in rep worked in radio tv so on and so forth and then I having it, it's it's um it had it had the school exerted such a sort of um sort of strong pulling power on one that in order to kind of plow your own furrow and find your own life and be who you were you kind of had to leave it behind you know and I made a very conscious decision to kind of shut the door on the school very very firmly um so that I could go off and kind of develop my own work both as a teacher but particularly as an actor um and then about 15 years later I came back to the school uh, basically to see some productions. Um, we were living not far away from it and we used to pass it quite a lot. And I'd say to Angus, my husband, who also trained at the Drama Centre, in fact, that's where we met. We are in the same oh. year. Um, Could you give yes. us a date just so to fill us in on dates? So when, if you don't mind, um, if you start being um, delicate, when, no, when were you there? No, no, it's fine. 1970 is oh, when I trained. Great. When was it founded? Uh, 63. So I was in a pretty very early stage. I was in the kind of ninth year of its, um, of its existence. And we were all um, called by the group, by the na- by the number of the group. So the, the first group uh, that broke away from Central, I'll talk about that in a minute, um, was group one, and then group two, group three. I was, I was group nine. And um, uh, I'm still in touch with a few people from that group, one or two of whom have one or two people have died actually, which has been a bit of a shock um, to hear in um, in in mind of mortality. But some of us are still alive and kicking and uh, buggering on, as you say. Um, <laughs> I then, having gone back to see a few productions, um, I had a phone call from Christopher Vetters, the principal. Um, asking me if I was interested in coming and doing a bit of work at the school. And I I sort of, um, I had got into teaching quite substantially by that time. And I, I sort of, my first thought was, no, I don't think I can. And then I thought, no, this is stupid. Why wouldn't you want to go back and work there now? A lot of water's passed under the bridge. Uh, um, uh, you know, you've you've kind of developed a, a way of thinking and a practice which is massively influenced by the school hugely but you know I'd encountered lots of other things as well um and I thought yes, it would be a good thing to do it would be good to go and put something back and to to be part of it because I I firmly believe that the school was um uh, hugely hugely important 
Um, so I went back on, with the proviso that I could only do a certain amount of work because I did have some acting work happening and some other people. And when other was this, people. Annie? Sorry, just to keep uh, dating. So you went in 1970 and now we're in... We're in 1980-something, 88 maybe, 88. Mm -hmm. 88, yeah, could be. And I went back a little bit, but I, I couldn't stay there for too long because I, I, I had other work. I had acting and I had a teaching commitment elsewhere, which, you know, was difficult to um, renegotiate around what Drama Centre wanted me to do. But anyway, after that, um, a little while after that, in about ooh, um, 98, it would be, I think, um, I went back on a much more permanent basis. I was asked to go back and do some work, more work there. And that in, and I was free to do it. And that, uh, developed into more work and more work and more work until finally, um, when the school, uh, when the management of the school, the principal ship, principal ship of the school was taken over by Vladimir Miradan. Um, I was asked whether I would be, I would apply to, um, be the course director of the acting course. Um, Vladimir had done that for the first year of his um, uh, appointment, but then he he wanted to develop other things in the school. He wanted to develop a couple of MAs, and he'd re reconstituted the director's course, and he just didn't feel he could kind of hold it all together and run the acting course, which was like, you know, it's 24-7, really. Um, and so I applied for, the, for that job after a bit of soul-searching, thinking, well, you know, that is going to be a big commitment. That's going to be the commitment of my life. But I thought, actually, I think I can bring something to this. I think it's. I think I've got something I can bring to this and I know I can work with Vladimir. So I applied for the job. I mean, it wasn't a shoe in There were other applicants, but I did get the job. And I was the course director for um, 10 years. And I wouldn't it for the world. I, it, was, mm. it was really exciting. It was a very exciting time to be at the school because um, there was a sort of new um, uh, uh, leadership um, and it was, um, it was really challenging, but it was incredibly exciting. And I think that what we, um, I think what we did in that time that we were both there for those 10 years was that, that we were able to, carry the torch forward we were main, able to maintain the fundamental principles of the school that we both so strongly believed in uh, but also we were able to move it a little a little more into um uh, being slightly less rarefied let's say and um and actually open the windows and let the light in a bit mm -hmm. um, had vladimir trained there too was his connection the other historical the, connection. Yeah, he was on the director's course. So, but uh, after, yeah, okay. uh, even after me, um, he arrived after I'd left as a student. Mm. Mm. Um, so I've got a, you know, I've got a very um, strong, passionate connection to the school. A comprehensive one. So it, that's really interesting. So if we take that period when yourself and Vladimir, both graduates of the school with a particular commitment to it, find a way to um evolve its its practice to some degree um what was it that you were taking forward so what's and i hopefully some people will listen to this podcast who don't don't know us or who don't know about the drama center um i had a, a sort of a strange sense of the drama center from watching a documentary in the in the 80s i think there was a tv documentary about the school did you see that yes i did yes 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 so that's why it sort of sat they're, in they're my consciousness a little bit notorious documentary yes um there are lots of um lots of stories around that documentary uh, uh one of which was that the i think that one of the um that the guy who was producing it um withdrew from it because um the the or, or, or directing it he he withdrew from it um uh and somebody else took over and a lot of they wanted the kind of sensational what they considered to be the sensational stuff you know they wanted good stuff mm -hmm. 
as opposed to the kind of really interesting sort of rather work a day, rather, you know, day by day kind of, um, you know, uh, life of the school, you know, what they mm. wanted really, you know, to see students having nervous breakdowns and taking their clothes off and, you know, mm. having kind of success or not success or, you know, being told that they were going to have to leave or whatever, whatever, whatever it was. Mm. Um and I think that caused quite a lot of ill feeling. Um, uh, although there were there were some interesting aspects of that documentary that that kind of nailed what life was like at the school, but um, it wasn't the whole story, not by any any stretch of the imagination, not at all. No, it it was very good telly. I mean, I, I had no interest in being an actor at the time, and I remember being gripped by it. I've tried to find it since. I've never been able to track it down. It's something I'd love to love to see. Well, It'd be a brilliant document. I've got it on video. Uh, oh. once, once we've got COVID um, sort of, uh, you know, backed into a corner, if not gone altogether, because that's not going to happen, is it? Um, I'm mm. going to ask my brother. I'll ask my brother to transfer it sort of onto some sort of digital mechanism. He can do that. Um, I'll ask my brother-in-law to do that, either onto a CD or at some sort of um, player that that can be played digitally. But it is possible yeah. to do, so I will let Amazing. you. That was my understanding of the drama. I mean, I had a little sense of the drama center as a just a person in the world, and then, of course, I became an actor, and I would meet actors who trained there. In fact, one of the first actors I worked with a lot was called Debbie Leading, and Debbie was a drama center graduate, and and, and the school had a sort of. Um, mythic resonance in her and then when I started teaching I became I came to understand the drama center more and more and I met people like you and other people at RADA and and I remember um Adrian James who taught at um East uh Arts Ed saying to me once if you wanted to have a drama school you needed acting teachers from the drama center and voice teachers from the central school of speech and drama and I mm -hmm. I sort of so I started to understand something about the relationship between different parts of our history but perhaps yeah. for a for our for our, our listeners, I think that's what they called in podcasts. Um, you could take mm. us through the the thing that you were evolving with Vladimir. So, what are the key principles of the of the drama school, and how do they sit in the relationship with the history of the post war British drama school? Well, I mean, I think the first thing to say about this is is that drama center uh, that you're quite right. There are a lot of myths about drama center. Many of them. Myth, myths. Some of them have a, a, a grain of truth in, but one of the one of the great stories about Drama Centre, which is a true story, is that it it came um, as a result of a student revolution. Um, the Drama Centre came into being as a result of um, a, a a new a kind of new wave of teaching that was happening at the Central School of Speech and Drama, which was very well known for being very fundamentally rooted in vocal technique, vocal virtuosity and text. Um, but um, in the, uh, uh, somewhere around the late 50s, um, early 60s, uh, 1960, somewhere around there, um, uh, the, the, uh, Gwyneth Thurban, who was the the principal of Central at that time, appointed a man called John Blatchley to the staff, who was a bit of um, a, a kind of new wave radical, um, had a very distinguished career as a director, but had been um, massively influenced by um, Michel Saint-Denis and the Michel Saint-Denis um, Theatre School and uh, the Compagnie des Cannes. Uh, in France, and it, and I think he'd been uh, at Saint Denis School in Strasbourg, um, where he met his wife. Now I I may be getting my facts mixed up here. I've got them down somewhere, um, but um, he met his wife Catherine Clouse, um, uh, and he was appointed to the Central School. And he said, "Yes, I'll come, but I want to bring certain people with me." So he brought with him Yat Mangren, who was an extraordinary teacher and dancer. He had his background was then in was in classical ballet, but then in 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 solo dance work, in character dance work. Um, 
you know, the physical equivalent of um, Ruth Draper's monologues. Um, mm. We also wanted to bring Harold Lang um, into the fold, who was uh, at Central, who was a, a, a great adherent of Stanislavski. And he also wanted to bring in Christopher Fettis, um, who had a, a, um, a kind of social and anthropological and political uh, cultural um, uh, hinterland kind of landscape in his work. Um, and at the time, you know, there had been a massive kind of swing in what had been going on in the theatre. You know, through the mid-50s onwards, you had the development of writers like Osborne and Pinter and Wesker and all of the work of the Royal Court. You'd also had the work of Joan Littlewood's Theatre Workshop, um uh, you'd have the visits of um um Brecht's company from Berlin uh, there was a huge amount and, and the begin the establishment the beginnings of the establishment of the national theater uh which was uh and the world theater season at the Aldwych um run by the RSC and you kind of were beginning to get a bit of a, a sort of um tsunami of change in the British theatre, and students who were training, certainly at the Central School, um, were very in receipt of this change, and they wanted to be part of that, and they wanted to be they wanted to be trained for those for those um, those new things that were happening. Um, and just it might be worth also, just mentioning to sorry Annie, just to say just just in terms of the history, not meaning to interrupt, it's probably worth mentioning to people listening that the the old Vic School, Sondanese School. I think John Batchy was actually at the Old Vic School too, had closed. It had a very, very yes. short life, I think six years. Yeah. And then there are various yeah. conflicting histories. But so that school had disappeared. So there was no innovative um, school in the UK at the time. There wasn't, there wasn't really a school that, and I'm sure I'm sure all of the people who were at Rada and Central and Lambda at the time are now turning in their graves to hear me see that, say this, but it, it, it's maybe fair to say that there wasn't a school that was really, really dealing with what the theatre was becoming, and um, that actually you needed to have an environment where you could deal with the kind of emotional robustness and the physical, the physicality uh, required by these new plays uh, from um, some tutors who seemed to have some answers. Uh, to these to these um, problems that needed to be solved. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, it's an interesting story, but you know, uh, with a limited amount of time, um, uh, they kicked off. They kicked off their work at Central, and the students, many of the students, many, many, many of the students were absolutely thrilled by these these approaches, by the rigor of the approach, by the seriousness of the approach, by the the sense of, of, the, of the actor being an artist and being important, being being somebody necessary with, with a, a process and a rigour and, and the ability to bring your brain to your heart. Um, but unfortunately, there was a bit of a falling out and uh, the um, Gwyneth Urban at Central was very... She thought that the movement work that Yat was doing was excess, was damaging people's voices um now uh, i'm not sure, who knows if that were true or not but the you know the received wisdom is that, that wasn't the, that wasn't the case uh, but that she actually took against his work and she sacked him as a result of that uh blatchley felt completely undermined and said well if he goes i go and uh christopher fett is the same harold lang the same so they were up sticks and went and the students um, went to bananas, basically, and um, uh, demanded the reinstatement of the staff. That wasn't going to happen. So they um, they met in somebody's, somebody's living room, and they decided that they wanted to be taught by those people because those people seemed to be training them for the, the theatre of the late 20th century, um, and that they... they asked whether the, the tutors would be willing to to teach them um 
it's a more complicated story in that. And there's a very complicated story to do with how they got their funding and how they got their um, how they got their uh, uh, grants and so on and so forth. But the, the the myth is that people got on their mopeds and they they went round North London looking for premises and they finally pitched up it with this this uh, Methodist church, this decommissioned Methodist church in Chalk Farm, or uh, I think maybe being used for some services and they were allowed to have one room in that and then they could park themselves out in various church halls around the area but the school was formed um out of a student revolution that students wanted do you know, do you know yeah. the story of somebody spitting at Gwyneth Thurban in the foyer an actress spitting at Gwyneth Thurban yes. in the foyer of the those. embassy theater yes 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 all of that but of course you <laughs> know Highly emotional, um, you know, yeah. people, highly emotional. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the first instance of a successful foundation of an institution as a result of student action. And also it comes, I think the sort of secession, uh, it, it can come from fear, as Vladimir once said, it comes from fear as well as courage because your mum and dad leaving you. Um, for many, many students, the departure of these teachers who were seemingly so inspiring and so um, uh, demanding and uh, asking, a, you know, a huge amount creatively of the students that was very thrilling. Uh, with their departure, there will there's bound to be, a, you know, a huge amount of anxiety and acting deals with emotions and desire and therefore you know, learning how to act can be a bit disturbing. You know, it's going to, it's going to, that kind of examination of what your cap capabilities are is going to be, it's going to do things to you. And then you need an environment where that's going to be endorsed and held up and in a, in a, in a safe space and um, uh, felt to be important. Um, so anyway, the school finally pitched up in Chalk Farm in this uh, Methodist church and um, all of the students arrived and the myth is that um, Yat came into the room and everybody was expecting, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, speech of welcome and um, how marvellous they all were and how brave and how courageous and what an achievement this was. And all he said was, to work. Mm. To Great. work. Yeah, Which I that's fantastic. Thrilling story. Um, oh yeah. And the, the, I think what what made the school very different was that um, it believed that the the core of the work was more than just a skills and craft training. All those things are, although that is absolutely vital. It wasn't simply to open you up emotionally and physically and imaginatively, but as I think I said to, uh, a minute ago, and it's not my quote, it might be Simon Callow's quote or it might be Vladimir's quote, but it was actually to get your brains into your bodies and thinking the notion of being transformed by an idea of something, surrendering to an idea, is at the heart of 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 acting and that training was going to push the students to think harder about what they were trying to do harder than they'd ever imagined before mm. the school was always asking the question that the training was the question why 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 bother why do it why might it be important um so you know it was I think it's true to say that it was one of the most influential and radical drama schools, um, not only for the rigor of the the kind of um, the thinking part of it, but but for the integration of its elements. Um, and I can talk a little bit about that. Um, mm. And at the heart of it is Yat's work, the work on what he called character analysis, um, which absolutely places the actor as somebody who is a transformer, places transformation absolutely at the heart of the acting process, that you make yourself just as a, you know, a, a potter, a ceramicist will make something extraordinary out of a piece of clay. 
you, 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 the actor, the raw actor, are the clay, and you're going to make yourself into something. Um, uh, and the, you know that the, the raw clay is kind of chaotic. But what Yat's work did was that it converted it into something logical and focused on the meaningful energy of character. And it's a technique that is based on sensation. It's not based on, you know, it's not based on kind of intellectual kind of, um, you know, academic thinking. It's based absolutely on sensation, um, clear, specific sensations and you know, generalize, generalization being the enemy. It's very, very physical. And Yat was particularly keen on Stanislavski because um, Stanislavski's theory of physical actions, everything said and done in the play, having a very specific objective that governs the character, that absolutely chimed in with what Yat was trying to do. Um, and he came from he came from a physical background. He came from a dancer's background. Did he know Laban? Were they, did he actually know Laban? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he'd been a, he'd been a, a dancer. Uh, he was in Stockholm in 1916. He trained first as an actor and then as a dancer. Uh, but his his mate his real gift was the, for the, the creation of character solos, and he he took these character solos all over the world. Um, and you mentioned Ruth Draper. Did did Yat reference her specifically? He referenced her a lot. He used to talk about Ruth Draper a lot uh, because we used to have maybe... characters and I create to create our own monologues and solos. And he would mention Ruth Draper a lot in terms of tempo, in terms of vocal quality, in terms of in terms of her her uh, ability to really economically, physically transform. Um, I mean, I don't know if there are any films of her. I've got some CDs of her, and they are remarkable. I mean, they are beautiful. Um, yeah, I have them. So Ruth Draper was just again for our listeners to fill in. It was a, a, a an incredibly um, um, virtuosic and and renowned monologuist who yeah. worked entirely through. Apparently, she never wrote anything down. Although I know David Mamet sort of says she, she was a wonderful dramatist as well as a performer. So she developed these these completely remarkable solo performances where she would often pay play multiple multiple characters. Yes, and yeah, you can listen to them on iTunes. They are remarkable. And you can you and she creates in your imagination all the other characters as well, the characters mm. she doesn't play, and that was what was wonderful about what is wonderful about Yat's solo work is that you're not just creating your own character, your own original character transformation, but you are also creating in our minds the other characters in our ah okay. It's it is it is when it works, it is absolutely wonderful. Anyway, 1940, he joined the ballet Youth at Dartington Hall in Devon. Um, and he ended up in Brazil, where he stayed for seven years. Um, Annie, sorry, so when was he at Dartington Hall? He was at Dartington Hall in 1940. So Chekhov, Michael Chekhov had yeah. gone, but yeah. the effect is still yeah. there, so there's a connection. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. But his own dancing career was cut short by injury, and he he um Continue, he, he started to work as a teacher and choreographer. And um, according to my information here, he uh, worked on a choreographer. Uh, he was a choreographer for Peter Brooks Tempest, for example. And he taught at the stage company at the Royal Court. But the most significant event in his development um, was when he was invited to join Rudolf Laban shortly before his death. And Rudolf Laban was evolving um, a, a theory called movement psychology, which combined um, the Jungian theories of a man called William Carpenter with his own mm -hmm. um, to movement through the efforts. And he entrusted this work to Yat. And that's what he started to develop. And um, he had his own studio in Covent Garden in the early 50s, um, Sean Connery, Anthony Hopkins, Dean Cilento were among the students. And then he taught a bit at RADA and the Central School and then Centre. Um, it, is, it is extraordinary work. The idea is that um, everything is said and done has a very specific objective um, and that it's it, it works through sensation and that, that he... 
there's a kind of character typology. I mean, I won't go, this, this is a whole other podcast. You get somebody much more um, than, than I am to talk about it because I've just came down that hole. What it does, if I can kind of, you know, pull it all together a bit, what it does, which I found utterly indispensable and is indispensable in my own thinking, although I don't always use it with students who don't know the work, um, is that it gives you a language, it gives you a vocabulary that takes you to physical sensation really quickly. Um, it can seem to people who've not experienced the work, it can seem like some sort of kind of, you know, secret society or code. Um, but actually, break it down, if you start it, and it isn't, if you, if you sort of break it down, it all makes absolute sense. Um, and it, it it's logical and human and the physicality of it and the sort of way the body works in space to um, transmit thought, which then goes into action. I mean, it goes back centuries. There's a there's a remarkable book called Gesture and Action by Henry Siddons, who is either Sarah Siddons' brother or son or nephew or something. Anyway, and it goes back. Uh, 1800 or yeah uh, or the, the 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 late 19th century mid 19th century um um and i have a copy of it and it's got these engravings in, in it of 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 characters in particular positions with their with their bodies in positions um which are to do with um emo emotional states and they it, it is extraordinary it's entirely recognizable hmm. and you you know, you can just look at people on the tube. Well, not on the tube at the moment because one isn't going on the tube very much. But, you know, you can look at people in situations. You can look at people and you can actually see where they're at physically. So Yat's work is you see what their inner landscape is by how they how it's manifested itself through physical sensation. And that's what Yat's work was all about. Um, and it was rigorous and specific and demanding and very, very much linked to the Stanislavskian work, which was the second pillar of the um, the, the, the drama centre training. Um, mm -hmm. And um, Harold Lang was uh, brought in first to work with with the sort of Stanislavskian principles, but um, ultimately that became the work of Doreen Cannon, um, who mm. was my actor, who was Uta Hagen's... Um, main sort of main woman sort of protege so you have a kind of direct line from um Uta Hagen um through Doreen to the work of the drama center um and indeed through Doreen's daughter Dee who uh, um tragically has left us recently it's very That's upsetting to hear that um uh but that you the, the Stanislavskian principles, the, or, or really rather the, the, the Uta Hagen principles mm. derived from Stanislavski, which are much mm. less Strasbourgian. And we, we did have a, a, a drama centre. We did have a a, a Strasbourg-inspired acting teacher called Ruva Nadiv, who was who was wonderful in his own way. Um, mm -hmm. But the difference that that Ruven was very much influenced by the American method, which tends to work very much on the inner, on the inner landscape and the inner emotions and the inner, you know, inner contacts and and personal identification uh, and and things like emotion memory, um, uh, juxtaposed with um, Uta Hagen's work via Doreen, which is much more to do with... Um, all of the fundamental questions of who am I? Where am I? When is it? What do I want? Why do I want it? Why do I want it now? What are the circumstances? What is the thing that I need to overcome? And what are my relationships? Which is the kind of, really, the actor's alphabet. For me, there isn't anything else. There are those questions which you can do you and move into um, any kind of work that you. Danny, you're doing yeah do you know 
Do you know where Uta Hagen got that work from? What's the route from? Does it come via the the group theatre? Is it is it a part of that lineage? It comes from the group theatre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she will be. So it is American good. methods. Yeah. Way. Yeah. One of one of the lines of the American method. One of the lines through through Boleslavsky from Stanislavsky to from Boleslavsky to the American method, but it is it is less internalized than Strasbourg. It's more outgoing than Strasbourg. Um, it 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 puts a lot of reliance on a lot of uh, emphasis on the surrounding circumstances and the imaginative living in those given circumstances and how you're affected by the, your surrounding circumstances, time and place, place particularly. Um, mm -hmm. uh, whereas Strasbourg, uh, you, you know, the received wisdom about Strasbourg is, is that it's much more internalised. Um, you do, I mean, of course you get, you get wonderful, wonderful actors, actors like Brando, for instance, who, you know, in, in his earlier earlier days had this remarkable kind of inner intensity. And um the the, the sort of Strasbourg word could could get you to a kind of intensity and a um and a, and a, a sort of emotional truthfulness. The problem with it would be that you could get stuck so if you didn't feel it you couldn't do it and i think that um uta hagen is much more in the territory of doing and you know trust that the emotion will as it were if you're really doing what you say you're doing and you really are affected by what is coming at you off your stage partner or in the circumstances and you surrendering to the idea your emotions if you are an emotionally robust and open and generous person, your emotions are going to take care of themselves. And actually, in experience as an actor, that's been the truth. When I've tried to get the emotion going inside me, it's never worked. When I've when I've been stimulated by something else or surrendered to something else, it's come for free. Um, she, so, really, so really. Yeah, Yat and Doreen. Yeah. So, it was Doreen your teacher? Was when you were there? Yeah, with Doreen was, there? Yeah. Yeah, she was my teacher. Yeah, yeah. How many years into the the, the early history of the drama? When did she arrive? Uh, Not well, she particular date. Pretty, pretty early on, I think. Pretty early on. Okay. Um, uh -huh. Pretty pretty early, first or second year of its life. Um, oh, okay, great. Um, and then the third pillar is um, the the work that Christopher did, um, which mm. he called analysis. And that all sounds a bit intellectual, but actually it was extraordinary. And I think it's probably fair to say has kind of influenced me more than anything, really, I think, because he really got into the why of, of it. So his classes, I mean, he directed plays as well. Um, my first rehearsal exercise when I arrived at Drama Centre as a student was with Christopher. That was a baptism of fire. Uh, and I think all of us who were involved in that have never forgotten it in, in a good way, in a good way. But it was extraordinary. I mean, it laid the foundations for kind of, well, you know, we're not messing about here. We're, we're, we're having to really say what we mean, mean what we say, commit to the idea and do it and mean it. What was it? Uh, Spring Awakening by Frank Vedekind. Okay, well, so, that's, quite that, a, that's quite a one. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it was. <laughs> but uh, anyway, his work really uh, was in this class called Analysis, which was um, it was a kind of journey through the great movements, the great um, events and movements and sort of political, cultural, social um happenings throughout the ages that gave rise to particular kinds of theatre and that the theatre was a particular expression of of what was going on at the time, uh, why it was necessary. And it was sort of social and anthropological and cultural and political. And you, God, did you have to use your brains. You had to engage with ideas. You had to do a lot of reading. Um, but it wasn't academic. It was it was sensuous. It was emotional. It was intellectually kind of thrilling. Um, and so you would look at a, a particular period, a historical period. So you might look at the Greeks. Um, you might look at the idea of the city state and why the theatre was 
uh, an important um, um, instrument in kind of creating the community of the city-state. Um, you might look at medieval theatre from the point of view of um, the, 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 of, of the Christian story, uh, the story of our salvation, if you like, um, being told in the vernacular, needing to be told in the vernacular, because, of course, nobody could read and nobody could understand Latin. And, um, you know, people needed to understand, you know, what their faith actually was. Um, and so the Bible was revealed through through these extraordinary mystery plays that were um, written in the in the demotic, you know, written in in the in the language of the day, and very funny. Um, uh, and then you might move through um, and look at uh, plays of the Renaissance. So you might look, you might move through and look at Spanish Golden Age, for instance. Um, Drama Center was looking at the Spanish Golden Age long before anybody else was, um, uh, and kind of the the sort of Com comedy tragedy, com com comedy tragedy of of things like Life Dream and the Lope de Vega plays, and the, the the kind of epic nature of those plays, and the sort of poetic nature of those plays, um, to express a kind of society that was, um, you know, uh, tussling with um, personal freedom, but also Catholicism and and uh, um, a belief that you know that 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 the king could save you. You know, the king could be your savior, like a sort of Deus and ex machina. Empire and a, and a society in, yeah. in, in decay and yeah. collapse. And, yeah, it's fascinating. All of that, all of that. And then one might look at, uh, ah, and then we, one certainly looked at um, uh, French classical plays, the plays of Racine and Corneille, how you translate that, how you translated those myths, those big stories into something that was very contained and very structured highly emotional but in, incredibly sort of um powerfully contained within a within a language structure um and, and, Annie, and can i just check yeah. so krista so this this sounds to me in a way um like it connects to sondanee's ideas of style yeah was christopher fettis connected to some extent was that a what was christopher fettis's <laughs> background what was his line uh, well, now that's interesting. Um, I think he'd been in the army. I think he'd he'd worked for Joan Littlewood for a while. He'd certainly worked at the royal court, oh. and he'd worked for a while at jo with, uh, with Joan Littlewood. And I think, and I'm sure that somebody who's listening to this podcast will pull me up on this and get, tell me to get my facts straight. But I think the legend is that that Joan got rid of him because he was too posh. <laughs> he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't actually fit in with her, you know, with her 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 rough and ready. Um, uh, nutters, as she used to call them, uh, but he was enormously influenced by Joan, and he was enormously influenced by her politic. And in fact, Joan Littlewood is a Joan Littlewood in the theatre workshop is an enormous influence on the drama centre. Um, mm. Massive, massive influence. Uh, her work with Laban, her 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 um, championing of Stanislavski, um, or Stanislavski in principles, anyway. And her ability to look at classical plays through through very new and contemporary eyes, which is something that Christopher did, and that was part of his analysis. Um, uh, just to just to move it forward in terms of time, when Vladimir took over, um, we were also looking at the notion of well, actually, I think it probably happened with Christopher as well. But you would look at great big movements like the Romantic movement, for instance, uh, and how that leads you to a revolutionary sensibility. Um, you might look at, um, I remember we did one project on Tristan and Isolde. It was an absolute disaster. I was in it. It was <laughs> humiliating. We were just such so rubbish. But it was all about the death wish, you know, um, you know, what desire leading to leading to the death wish, which is is absolutely going to take you down down the road to plays like Pains of Youth and um well, eventually, the Second World War, perhaps. I mean, you could argue it ends up with with the death camps. I mean, well, it, it, yeah, that, that very, side of romanticism. It's very, very. Uh, you know, you're looking at you're looking at tough stuff. This is what I mean. Mm. The school demanded that you bring your brain to your heart. You know, who, mm. why are we, and how did we get here? Um, and the final, um, much loved and much very necessary uh, fourth pillar uh, as a 
I was going to say an antidote to all of this, but it's not really an antidote. It was necessary. It's the work of John Blatchley, which was massively influenced by um, Brecht, um, hugely influenced by Saint-Denis, and brought in mask work and comedic work and some clowning and animal work and and the the um the the the, the really physical um uh different 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 kind of physicality to Yat's work but but the sort of um uh embodied play could we call that embodied, embodied play, play now I think is is exactly embodied play yeah exactly that um and uh, they were they were extraordinary classes and uh, led led to um some wonderful comedic breakthroughs i remember my husband doing um a, a mask a mask character a mask character and he was um he was an ira an ira um, uh you know he was an ira bomber he was very 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 inefficient and he put the bomb in the wrong place and the bomb didn't go off and he was in a he was doing this mask mask character in a phone box trying to get through to somebody to get them to stop it and it was it was it was hilarious absolute um it's about a serious subject but it was absolutely hilarious mm. um these four pillars and actually what was what was extraordinary was that they were integrated that they did mm. cross fertilize all the time so that you at its best the training you never you never kind of at its ideal best you didn't kind of put things in a box and think oh well i tick that off i've done that you had to do it all all the time and you had to mm. link in um uh uh everything and pennies would drop possibly not till after you'd finished your training you know you'd suddenly think oh, that's what that was that's mm. That links. Oh, that's interesting because that links with that, and and I think that I would say, when did I leave? Seventy three. Um, you know, we're forty, forty, forty something years on. The stuff for me that is still making sense in a in a richer, deeper way, and I think that the kinds of actors that the drama centre produced were people who put themselves on the line. They were very political. They were very, they always asked questions. They got a bit of a reputation for being mouthy, arrogant gits at times, which we were. I mean, you know, the downside is that, you know, you're, you're taught by very charismatic, extraordinary, challenging, uh, eccentric, um, infuriating people. Uh, sometimes absolutely, you know, you just wanted to, walk out and slam the door and think I'm never going back and at other times phenomenally warm and compassionate and understanding you know it was it, it was you know volatile mix of personalities um um I don't know where that was leading what was that where was that going don't know oh yes um that, that, you know the, the the problem is that if something is so exciting you think that you're the only you're the only people who know anything about anything so mm. you know there the, the was a very strong tendency to sort of diss, diss an awful lot of stuff and uh, think mm. that nobody knew anything about anything and that Drama Centre was the, you know, was the holy grail and that was the only place to train and it was, it was um, and that everybody else was were, were ignorant sort of um, fuckwits who just did singing and dancing, you know. I mean, it, 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 mm. nonsense, absolute nonsense. Um, but it, it, it could lead to a sort of um, siege mentality um mm. and um it did you know drama center actors still are you know political opinionated passionate um uh not afraid of speaking out not afraid of asking why i think i think probably what has been inculcated in relatively recent recent years is the the uh, 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 an openness to um a sense of humour and an openness to, you know, other thoughts, other ideas. There's more than one way to skin a cat and um, a sort of relaxation um, about, about things. But it was, it was serious endeavour, serious mm. endeavour that believed that the telling of stories, whether it be in the theatre, that was favourite, uh, or on television or on film or on the radio, was a serious... Um, a serious endeavour that mattered and that um, 
it was your responsibility as an artist to do it as well as you possibly could and as truthfully and as honestly and as bravely as you could. And it's produced some remarkable actors. Yeah. Fierce, yeah, fierce, fierce actors. Um fierce. so I'm aware that we I'm aware that we're going to lose you and, and I think we'll we may I mean I'm hoping that I'm gonna keep on doing this podcast for twenty years and we'll fill in more and more details and more and more gaps and 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 really come to um document this this yeah. extraordinary thing. The drama center is going to be one of my main focuses. So the three I'm looking at are Rada as an example of along with Central, the first sort of academies, Lambda as as a as one of the music academies that evolved into yeah. a drama school along with yeah. the Guildhall and, and Weber Douglas. And then Drama Centre is one of the, what I'm going to call, I don't think I made this up, but the experimental schools along with Rose Bruford and East 15 as examples uh-huh. of sort of yeah. com- complete ideas. Yeah. So if we could, if we could move forwards just, just for a, a bit. So we have, we have that, that extraordinary uh, place built on four pillars. And the thing that struck me listening to you was that, the simple division of a of a training between sort of voice movement and acting doesn't work at all there. Like it sounds like all of those people are all involved with the whole picture. They may have a particular focus. It it, it doesn't really work with that. Um, particularly did in particularly in terms of um, you know separating out the physical physical life from your acting life. I mean that really really doesn't doesn't pertain at all um for some years the vocal training at the vocal training at drama center was wasn't wonderful it wasn't great and i don't know whether that's because yat who um you know yat who could hold a grudge you know <laughs> they could all hold grudges I think, um uh, you know annie can i tell you can i tell you something that i realized for many many years as a voice teacher which was my sort of first work i, I realized that that acting teachers and movement people sort of had a there was something in the room that I didn't understand and I've I've reached the conclusion that it comes from this sort of scar that that sits in the history of Central and the Drama Centre which is voice people we were sort of blissfully unaware of like no one told me that story so I could sort of see in people's eyes something that I actually didn't understand yeah. so I'm, I'm not at all surprised that that yeah, yeah. Bearer, Bearer he, he, they didn't you know he he sort of didn't really he thought he's. I think he thought that if everything was connected and was truthful, your voice would work. Well, you know, one would like that. You'd like to think that. I mean, on his on his end level, yeah. I've 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 heard you say sort of that. You know, that if if you're yeah. you know, connected and the, the the vocal work at Drama Centre for some years was a little bit um, behind the other work, but it certainly caught up. Um, yeah. So, so moving forwards, I, I guess the other thing to to mention to people listening is that that given that Drama Centre is one of the main focuses of this exploration, it's also one which is coming to an end. I mean, my understanding is that the Drama Centre is is oh going to close. Yeah, I was rather hoping we wouldn't have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> I think we have to talk about it. I might cry. Um, uh, I get very angry. Um, yes. Um, how to just yes, it's going to close. That's there's no point in in sort of farting about with this. It is going to close. Um, like all drama schools, the drama centre had to ultimately to guard its funding and guard its students' fees, students' fees funding when there was such thing as mm-hmm. funding. Now the student grants, um, uh, student loans rather. Um, uh, it had to ally itself with um, uh, an academic institution, um, and it, it resisted this for quite some time. It allied itself with the University of Central Lancashire. That was quite a good relationship, but I don't know why there was a falling out. I've never got to the bottom of it. And so they allied themselves with the then London Institute, which transmuted itself into uh, this sort of juggernaut called the this sort of behemoth called the university of the arts which was a comp- which was um um a federation of of uh, major art colleges one of which was the central school of um art and design uh which had a kind of um a very very well had had a very well thought of design course theater design course um, and it had um, a film in its art, in its fine art course, and uh, there were various other 
um, areas that were sort of linked. Um, and when the school joined, it was going to be incredibly challenging because um, uh, the modus operandi was entirely different to an art school um, way of working, which is the studio culture, whereas you, you know, you do your thing and you go into the studio and you do your bit of pottery and you do your painting, whatever, and then you go away and you do your cultural research and then you maybe take it home, you do a bit of work on it, you come back, you maybe go into the studio once or twice a week. And then you have a, after a six weeks or so, you have a, a, a kind of rigorous criticism from your tutor. And you're basically, basically you're set projects and, um, it's all on uh, to do with independent learning, and um, uh, it, what it isn't is twelve hours a day, or even ten hours a day, or even six hours a day, five days a week, with a small number of students. It isn't that. So trying to broker that marriage between the art school culture. And I remember somebody in academic affairs saying to me when I was course director, well, of course, of course you can get a degree without turning up. And I said, well, no, not, not at non-acting course you can't. You've got to be there. You've got to be in the room. It's not distance learning. Um, and, you know, there were problems over the, 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 the drama centre sort of professional discipline code. You know, we couldn't, you know, there was ructions from the, the college lawyers and the students' union couldn't impose that if students didn't want to turn up then they needn't turn up you think what 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 so you had to do quite a a big job and it was mainly Vladimir's job to do it which he succeeded in extraordinarily well of actually getting the school to be part of that environment which in the greater scheme of things was very interesting because there was lots of interesting stuff going on in the art school, in the central school, that we could look at, that, that we could engage with, that we could have an opinion about. The problem was that the work of the acting course and the director's course and the two MAs that had started were, you know, they were full on. We had to do the work. You can't just not do it. You have to do it day after day after day because it's a slow burn. It's incremental. It It's like a, a spiral that you... You don't tick something off. You carry it with you all the time and you keep reinventing it and reinvestigating it and going deeper. And so on. And that happens all the time. And it's expensive. Um, we had two heads of college who um, uh, bought into the school for different reasons. And that is, is absolutely the extraordinary work of Vladimir Miradan in, in, in kind of bringing them on side. I think there was some reluctance, but they, they could see, they could absolutely see the value of it, the worth of it. The reputation of the school was extremely good. The, the alumni list was, you know, impressive. And they were, you know, they're not above cannibalizing the alumni list for their own ends. So, um, and I think the problem started really when, um, the, a new head of college uh, arrived who kind of, if one is being careful about what one says, didn't get it, absolutely didn't get it, and could see that it was eating money, that it was taking up, you know, that it was utilising a lot of uh, college subsidy, that it was costing far more than the student fees, um, that it was, well, mind you, the University takes a massive top slice of those, so uh, that it was taking up too much space. You know that his art that, that all the art students didn't have enough space. Well, they did take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of art students, so it's hardly surprising. Um, but for a very small faculty, um, it was the hours were too long. It was costing far too much, and it wasn't sustainable. Um, well, there were questions to be asked. There were useful questions to be asked about what you could make leaner and meaner and more effective. And there were questions to be asked about income generation, perhaps. Um, but the, the, the problem was that the senior management of the college 
didn't like the school. Just didn't like the school. I could offer all kinds of opinions as to why that might be, but I won't um, at the moment. That might be for another time. Uh, but they did not like the school. And they systematically started to asset strip it and undermine it. And it became very, very unpleasant indeed. And they, st and this is the unforgivable thing. They started to weaponize a lot of the... Um, what you might call socio-political concerns to do with mental health, to do with race, to do with gender, to do with all of that. They started to weaponize those against the school. Now, this is a school that had made a point over the years of taking a diverse cohort, obviously not diverse enough, no, nowhere ever was, but also students from really disadvantaged backgrounds, working class backgrounds. Um, you know, it was a, a school that took took students that didn't get into any other schools because they were interesting, because they were different. Because You know, it was it, it had a school for a reputation for taking a, a, a very interesting and uh, diverse cohort. Um, there was a kind of um, review of the school undertaken by somebody who knew nothing about actor training, a, a, a performance academic uh, or an arts academic. Um, mm. uh, the... Um, there was an appointment made um, uh, of somebody internal who actively had voiced her dislike for the school. And that even though advice was given as to that this not be a clever appointment, uh, that advice was ignored. Um, and it, it sort of went downhill from there, really. Um, and it was announced as a result of this report that the they were going to, in spite of, um, in spite of uh, assurances that they were going to keep the MAs and that they were, the foundation course wouldn't be touched, foundation course was the first to go, and then it was announced that the school would close. Um, uh, so if there's a, at the moment there's a third year going through and a second year, but they haven't recruited a first year, so it's got two more years of life. Um, uh, there is um it's very difficult to stay uh civilized and calm about this because it seemed to be based on not just sustainability but there seemed to be something else going on as well it seemed to be some sort of very odd, warped politic going on and an enormous amount of um, jargon. But the, the worst thing about this was that there was never any cogent debate about it. We would all have, I mean, I've, I've, I've just, I've just thought, well, I've got to get out of here. Um, I was, no, I, I, I wasn't the course director anymore. I'd, I'd, let that go but I was certainly working there a lot as a freelance sort of running between there and Rado it was a bit mad and um I I just thought I I'm going to have to go because my mental health is being really quite severely affected and I'm not I'm somebody who's as you know is pretty robust I mean I'm you know I don't think I don't let things get to me but my goodness me this was um this was this was pretty hideous um and there was no debate and I kept asking, could we can, can we talk to you about what it is we do? Why what why we do it in the way we do it, why it is successful, why it's evolving all the time, and why we are actually doing some of the things that you're asking us to do in terms of, you know, of our philosophy and ethos and equality and diversity and so on. Um and I was met on one occasion, I was met with rolled eyes, at which point I thought, that's the point I thought, mm. no. There's, this is not a fight we can win. We can't win this fight. And you see, we're not think, wrong. we're not in the same. We're not in 1963. Hmm. We're not in that place where those students just, you know, got on their bikes and left Central, and with a great deal of hard work and and heart searching and soul searching, began a new school. We're not in 1963. We're in 2000 and what are we now? 20. 
But all I can say is that the school has had the most enormous impact and its legacy is in its graduates, in its alumni, in the extraordinary actors, and they don't have to be household names. I mean, I, I, I know loads and loads and loads of actors who are out there when they can be, even now, mm. COVID, you know, they're making films, they're making work, they're making content, they're doing stuff. Uh, they, they're, you know, lots and lots of jobbing actors who crop up in theatre, crop up on television, you know, uh, and you think, ah, oh, yeah, group so-and-so. And then, of course, there are the bit. There are the big names. There are the there, there are the, the the kind of big big names. Uh, but there are directors. There are writers. There are filmmakers. There are people who. There are wonderful teachers. I don't think there's one major drama school in the country that hasn't had some teaching from the drama centre injected into its veins. Um, mm. It's had an, an extraordinary effect, and its legacy is. Um, it's those people and it will it will kind of live on, I think, through those people and through the students who are still bravely clinging on by their fingernails and demanding that they get the training or they get something of that training that was started, you know, nearly 60 years ago. Great. Well, look, Annie, thank you so much for speaking to us about the history of the, of the Drama Centre. Um, I think we'll talk again. Uh, it's lovely, lovely to yeah. see you. And you too. And um, hope that's care. all right. Hope that's got to get some use. It was great.